Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday. It is hump day. It's time for another episode of Let's Talk Sports. I'm Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. And frequently on Wednesdays, we have sort of converted it into this little thing we refer to as BTS Wednesdays, Billy Talk Sports. Billy Hull, of course, the Honolulu Star Advertiser, uh, frequenting these parts during the midweek session. But he's actually on the continent right now. And so... uh, our other really good friend of the program has decided to uh, come on in on a Wednesday, and we can't be more thankful. So it is not BTS Wednesday. It is CTS Wednesday. <laughs> it is Christian Shimabuku, Christian Talking Sports here today. He is the digital sports reporter for KHON2. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, great to uh, be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't know if CTS will stick, but... <laughs> It all sticks. <laughs> it all has the potential of, of sticking, that's for sure. Um, what has not stuck, though, is one of the quarterbacks for the University of Hawaii to that first string position to the fully absorbed QB1 role. Uh, according to head coach Timmy Chang at practice yesterday, uh, he is still going to continue this competition. Uh, it was considered to be primarily between Braden Shager and Joey Yellen. Those were the two guys who got run against Vanderbilt last weekend, but Timmy when asked uh, by star advertiser reporter Stephen Sai about Cameron Cooper, said, hey, look, Cameron didn't get any run against Vanderbilt, but he's a guy that would also be in consideration that we're also going to give some some reps to. And so the evaluation process continues. How did that strike you, though, as far as this, at least more so than just a, a hinting at, uh, but this statement by Timmy Chang basically saying, hey, look, this competition is still very much wide open. In fact, you could assume that there are now three guys uh, who are in consideration for this thing yeah well i think it's something you had to do right because when you lose 63 to 10 to the laughing stock of the sec um i think you have to reevaluate everything um and it starts at quarterback um i think it was pretty telling when uh brayden shager re-entered the game in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. i think that's when you probably give cam cooper a look um so i think it's probably again between shager and um joey ellen uh, but, um, yeah, it's totally necessary to reevaluate and um, who can give you a spark um, is the biggest question. Yeah, because we were kind of uh, thinking, right, they're all speculation, obviously, going into that week zero opener. But we were all kind of thinking there might be a motivation on the part of the coaches to carve out a little package for Cam Cooper because of the kind of damage he can do with his legs. And this is a former four-star recruit, right, who was known for his ability to throw the football, racked up huge yardage as a quarterback in high school, but uh, didn't necessarily show the consistent accuracy accuracy throughout uh, his time during the spring and even going through training camp here in the fall throwing the football but I I think we all kind of thought all right well that's an aspect to his game that Braden Shager and Joey Yellen don't quite have right the ability to do some damage with their legs Uh, but we didn't see him and so it sounds as though you're assuming that maybe it is still primarily Shager and Yellen and that the Cam Cooper thing might have just been Timmy maybe extending a little bit of an olive branch when asked specifically about him right i mean that's actually an interesting thought because you know it it might not be so easy for a head coach particularly in the position of timmy chang especially when you're trying to hold your cards close to to your vest to be like no no he's 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 not in the running he's not a candidate it probably behooves him to suggest when asked specifically about him like oh yeah you know what theoretically everybody is still a candidate 
Yeah, um, and for, for a guy like Kevin Cooper, who, as you said, does bring all the stuff to the table, um, not just his legs, but but his arm as well, um, I think it does uh, just add another element of um, UH, uh, you know, trying to dig into what they have, right? Um, especially in the fourth quarter when he didn't appear in a game. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, um, you know, they probably do want to give him extensive time in practice and see if he can actually take it to a game. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they didn't feel like he could last Saturday, but um, it's a whole new game this Saturday, so um, I'm sure that's their, their line of thinking. Yeah, it's going to be a whole new game. I think one of the things that stuck out here this this past week, and we, we, we've suggested it here on the show in the last couple of days, had Rich Miano by phone yesterday talking about it as well. Uh, and this isn't necessarily a surprise because we know about what they lost in the offseason. You don't want to dwell too much on on what is no longer there. Uh, but there is going to be a challenge in terms of the depth for this team. And I think that that manifested itself certainly when it came to the tackling, right? And as that game went on, it seemed as though the tackling just kind of got gradually worse. And, and we have seen it in many years, certainly even during the June Jones uh, era, uh, where they experienced so many seasons of, of success and, and in some cases unprecedented success. But there were seasons where the tackling was not so assured early on in the year. And a lot of that is because they didn't necessarily full-fledged work tackling in training camp. And the specific reason is because you don't want to risk injury, right? And I think that that's exacerbated in this day and age, first off, because of what we now know about concussions and the amount of hits that these guys take, even when they're young college players. Uh, So that part of it, I think, magnifies that as well. Uh, But then the lack of depth. I mean, if you're Timmy Chang and this coaching staff, you don't want to risk if you are going to have depth challenges at various positions, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're not going to be so inclined to risk injury to the front line or the first one or two strings uh, at each position by doing an overwhelming uh, amount of tackling. And so I think some of that probably was to be expected. Uh, It is certainly an area that they need to shore up here going forward, and I think especially against a team like Western Kentucky where yards after catch is a big thing in what this basically air raid offense likes to do. Yeah, for sure. And um, like you said, uh, the lack of depth really showed itself in the secondary. Um, you have two local boys in Motangi Thompson from Punahou and Peter Manuma from Campbell. Um, those two guys, the last extensive game action they saw was in 2019 um, as high school juniors. They didn't have a 2020 season uh, because it was canceled. Um, they gray-shirted their way to UH, which means they weren't here last fall. And so for those two guys to be mm-hmm. true freshmen, true gray-shirt freshmen, and their first college experience is getting extensive playing time against an SEC team. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's, quite a, that's quite a lot to put on them. You know, They're not taking the game in. They're not playing special teams. They're playing like in the secondary. Um, and then another guy that stands out is Leonard Lee. Um, he's as game as they come. But 20, that was his last extensive time at safety since 2018, uh, back when he was at Pima Community College. Um, so you're just you look across the field, all 11 guys on both sides of the ball. Um, for a lot of them, that's the most action they've seen in a very long time. Yeah, so the, some of those lumps are, are maybe to be expected. When you put it in that kind of framework, I mean, that does necessarily lead you to think like, oh, okay, yeah, that, <laughs> they were probably going to take some licks. There were probably going to be some shortcomings. You know, you even saw some alignment issues, I think. Some of that inexperience and that lack of depth uh, manifested itself in that game against Vanderbilt. What do you, though, anticipate here uh, in this week one matchup now against Western Kentucky? Uh, I 
hearken to uh, that that Dick Tomey uh, quote where basically he said, you know, a team improves the most. You see the most improvement in a college football team between the first game of the season and the second game of the season. Now, they're going to have to show a lot of improvement in a lot of different areas at all positions. And Timmy Chang uh, was very comprehensive in his suggestion that we not only have to improve in certain spots. I mean, like everyone on the roster, like the scout team has to give a better look to our ones and twos. Like Everyone has to has to pitch in here. Every staff member has to shore their job up uh, to try to get a better result here this Saturday. What do you anticipate, though, as far as as maybe the the marked improvement from week zero to week one here against the Hilltoppers? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's how many key minutes of football can they put together? Um, I think, uh, as we saw last week, they put together a very auspicious first five minutes where um, they get a score and then they get a stop. But then after that, the the last 55 minutes, it really got away from them. And I think that does speak to, like you said, um, their lack of, um, you know, just going after it in practice, knowing that they have to um, uh, sustain themselves in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, And then you saw that in the quarterback's play, too. Um, Braden Shager, four for six on the first drive. Kevin, uh, not Kevin Cooper, Joey Allen started yeah. 10 for 11. But then after that, he... Um, didn't complete a string of passes. So I think it's all about um, just uh, how much football can these guys put together after the first five minutes, after the first 15 minutes. And the longer they can play quality football, um, the more competitive they'll be, as we saw last week. As expected, Dietrich Parson was a big factor for this offense uh, in that game. And and he's going to be a key factor whether they are successful or not, as we saw. And I think the thing that concerns me for a guy like Dietrich Parson, who plays with such confidence and when he is confident that uh, or when he is confident and when he is sort of playing carefree that is when he is at his best he can carry the ball out of the backfield he can catch it uh, out of the backfield as well I mean he does bring a certain versatility to this thing my concern though is he got the ball popped out twice both times they took it back to the house those are two freaky plays but plays that can absolutely rock your core and psyche uh, especially for a younger team Uh, and I think we saw even in practice yesterday a few more times where when he did run with the football he had both arms and both hands on it and he's thinking I think about protecting the rock which can be a good thing but it might also take away from his ability to be as effective a runner as he potentially can be so and that's kind of another thing to watch here I think going into this game against Western Kentucky yeah, and if you're a team like UH, you really want to see if there's other running backs that can uh, make an impact other than Dedrick Parson. Um, an example is 2017, where Diosmi St. Just uh, was kind of their workhorse, um, and he kind of uh, declined towards the end of the year just because he was getting so much work. Um, I think if when you think about a guy like Dedrick, um, you just want to be able to have him put together 13 or 14 games without um, you know, damaging himself every step of the way if sure. possible. Um, so I think that's a big key as well. And for him, it, start, it definitely starts with um, you know, taking care of the football. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, still a couple of players to watch in Jonah Panoke and Zion Bowens. How are they going to be in terms of their availability here uh, this weekend? Jonah Panoke was in a boot yesterday at practice. Uh, Zion Bowens uh, had to leave that game, essentially. And uh, while he didn't appear as though he was wearing any kind of uh, cast or, or protective boot or anything like that, he was walking with a, a pretty heavy limp uh, throughout the practice yesterday. Uh, did not make it down to practice this morning. Morning, so I'm not sure if there's been any kind of update uh, on their status here for this week. But uh, both those guys actually suggesting that they feel confident that they will be good to go. But Timmy Chang not necessarily.
necessarily wanting to talk about, say that it's going to be more of like a, you know, keep it a watchful eye here, a day-to-day basis here leading up to this game against Western Kentucky. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can also text in with any question or comment via the Zephyr Insurance text line at the same digit combo. We have Junior waiting on the line. Junior, what's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you? What's up? Uh, not bad, but I uh, just wanted to say uh, after that first drive, um, everybody was thinking maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah? And even with 21 to 10 at halftime, there's also a chance that we could. But uh, why the third quarter? Was it we were just tired on the D, like you guys said, and they were arm tackling instead of wrapping around? I'm just kind of concerned because... Um, you know, this is a big game for us, mm-hmm. at least momentum-wise. I, I just want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a good yep. question, Junior. Uh, thanks for calling in. I mean, that third quarter was nightmarish. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. two ways about it, and it got away. It fell off the rails uh, for Hawaii. They weren't able to get any kind of momentum. They weren't able to get any kind of real consistent drives going. You talked about Joey Yellen and how he started pretty red hot, but that was because they were doing a lot of real quick trigger, short pass mm-hmm. into the flat type of of, of offensive plays. Uh, and then, obviously, Vanderbilt trying to up some of the pressure. They were trying to send people uh, Yellen's way, and I, I think that that did kind kind of uh, provide a challenge for him. He ended up throwing a couple of interceptions, stymied some of the momentum that he was able to establish in the throwing game. Uh, And so those are other things that they're going to have to look at. I I do think that Hawaii possibly, if I may, in my very amateurish observational uh, position here, uh, maybe they did... uh, possibly abandon the running game a little bit earlier than they should have in that third quarter. And it's hard when the scoreboard's starting to, you look at that score and it's starting to get away from you. It, it's hard to sort of stay and abide by your principles. But I do think that Dedrick Parson in this running game, whoever is coming out of the backfield, as you're alluding to, whether it's Tylen Hines um, or, or, or Najee uh, Bryant-Lele, I mean, the, these are all guys who can make plays for you. And I think it's going to be very important for them to have that established running game, especially if they're going to try to sell these articles. RPO plays in the kind of multitude uh, that this offense seems to want to do. But yeah, I thought they maybe abandoned the running game, just weren't able to get any kind of traction and and consistency going. So that third quarter, I mean, that's just one of those quarters where it's like, um, you know, let's just throw that tape away or something. Yeah, um, I think it was just a perfect storm, Junior, to answer your question. Um, 35-0, I mean, that's pretty uh, remarkable, uh, no matter how you slice it. Um, There was, of course, some plays where, you know, a fumble falls straight into the arms of a Vanderbilt defender that's already running towards the end zone. Um, You had the fourth and sixth play where Vanderbilt looks like they throw an incompletion, but then um, it goes through the guy's hands and um, Vanderbilt, the next guy, catches it. So it was just a a really unlucky uh, string of unlucky breaks for UH, and I just think they were shell-shocked. This is like a a big learning experience for them, and I think all of them together, um, it was just a big learning experience, and I think um, anyone on the team would tell you that they don't feel like Vanderbilt is 53 points better than them. I don't think I would say that either. Um, I just think they got very unlucky. And, um, you know, hopefully they do get better from this and learn from it. Football, maybe as much or more than any other sport, it, it can snowball, right? It is yeah. very much a momentum game. And especially when you're talking about a team that's a little bit more inexperienced or has a little less depth. I mean, you know, 
Pene Pavihi picks off that pass that, that hits him basically in the mm-hmm. chest, and he takes that back to the house. That would have been a short pick six. All of a sudden, it's 14 nothing. All of a sudden, you're talking about this is a different kind of ball game. Uh, you don't have those two freaky fumble recoveries scooped up out of the air and returned to the house. You know, those, those are spirit-buckling and fracturing type of, of moments there. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it, it could have played out differently, had a few things earlier in the half uh, gone a different way. But, you know, hindsight is 2020, and that's not necessarily an excuse for Hawaii uh, to let things just absolutely mm-hmm. fall apart like they did in the third quarter. But I do think to uh, at least try to answer Junior's question, I, I think that this is a team, because of some of the inexperience, that might be a little more susceptible mm-hmm. to that kind of thing, to losing the momentum battle in that way, to seeing the negative snowball effect like we saw transpire against Vanderbilt. Uh, we do have a couple of tickets to give away, by the way, uh, for this uh, week's game against Western Kentucky. We're up against a commercial break, though, and so we'll do that in the next segment. Also in the next segment, we are going to have to switch gears a little bit and uh, talk a little Rainbow Wahine volleyball because their home opener is tomorrow against Texas State, a really good uh, Texas State team, it appears, by the way. Uh, this week is not going to be any easier for Hawaii coming off of the Texas A&M Invitational. They got three teams lined up here in the outrigger this weekend in Texas A&M, West Virginia, and UCLA. These are all NCAA tournament caliber type teams. Uh, and in the case of UCLA, they probably have aspirations to challenge for a Pac-12 championship and maybe even a national championship beyond that stuff, dealing with some injuries and whatnot. But we do want to talk with Tiffany Westerberg, who had a really good outing. Again, switching positions to the middle hitter and middle blocker position, uh, playing opposite rotation from Amber Igedi. She was very effective both offensively and defensively. So we'll talk with her in this next segment, and we are also going to provide a giveaway for those two tickets, Hawaii against Western Kentucky. So that'll be in the next segment, so stay tuned for that. Want to remind you, though, that later tonight, it is Call the Coach with Timmy Chang, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday in the Moanalua Shopping Center. Call or text in with your questions and comments to John Veneri and Coach Chang. It's brought to you by Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, and PAXA. Tiffany Westerberg, on the other side of this break, you're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy is brought to you by Domino's Pizza of Hawaii. We deliver aloha. Welcome back, everybody. Let's Talk Sports coming to you on this Wednesday. Kanoa Leahy in the PAXA studios in Honolulu being joined by my man, Christian Shimabuku. He is the digital sports writer for KHON2. We're going to talk a little Rainbow Wahine volleyball here. They got off to an 0-3 start at the Texas A&M Invitational this past weekend. They lost to Texas A&M as well as nationally ranked Pitt and San Diego. And went five in that opening match. Uh, just a bit of an up-and-down type of performance overall. But if you want to look at some of the encouraging elements uh, of that first weekend as Hawaii gets ready to serve it up in its home opener tomorrow against Texas State at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. One of those encouraging elements would be the play of Tiffany Westerberg, who has just switched positions throughout her career, once again back in the middle. Uh, and boy, did she step up, averaging 2.27 kills per set, hit 264 for that tournament. Also, uh, now the team leader currently with seven total blocks, and she joins us via the phone line. Tiffany, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, I mean, I imagine, has the dizziness of having to switch positions year after year throughout your Hawaii career, has that has that worn off as you find yourself once again back in the middle? 
Yeah, I mean, Coach Rob, we, we train all positions. So, I mean, it's, it's really wherever uh, she wants us. But um, always happy to be back in the middle. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, a position you obviously built a lot of experience with uh, throughout your prep days. Uh, how was that transition for you, and especially in this opening weekend where, you know, if you guys figure out you're, you're fairly thin at that middle beyond you and Amber, so it is incumbent on you to sort of make sure you have that uh, second middle blocker position locked down, and, and you certainly did what you could do. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I just think uh, transitioning over, it was just like you said, like it's only really me and Amber right now. Um, so just making sure like I'm doing everything like with a team mindset, like the team is motivating me to like basically do my role, if that makes any sense. Like there's really no one else after me right uh, at this moment. So it's just like I just have to go all out for my team. Um, challenging Amber at practice, but just kind of getting back in that middle mentality um pursuing like blocks and uh getting up quick i think is the most important thing right now for me yeah what are some of the other differences again we're talking with tiffany westerberg uh, 6'3 junior now middle once again from maple ridge british columbia canada what are some of the differences instinctively when you're out there on the floor as a middle hitter slash blocker compared to if you're lining up as at a at a pin side like opposite or something like that uh i would just say uh, for me personally, just getting to the blocks, um, uh, pressing over the net, just getting as many touches as I can, slowing down that ball for the team. Um, and as far as uh, offense-wise, I mean, I get to run the slide, which is great, a little <laughs> bit more. Um, but just getting up, uh, changing the timing, obviously, because middle balls are, are quicker. So just finding the temp- timing and tempo with the setters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiffany, I was looking at the roster, and um, I thought it was really interesting how um, you're one of eight juniors on this team. Um, uh, what's the bond like between you and, and the rest of this junior class? And, um, you know, how much are you looking forward to this season and next season, knowing that, um, you know, it's the nine of you and, uh, you know, for these next two years? Uh, I really love uh, my junior class. I mean, we were, we're together since freshman year. Uh, we're all very close, and hopefully that shows on the court a little bit. Um, and I, I really appreciate us just playing together, especially this year. It just feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, coming back from this weekend where, um, you know, the team obviously was 0-3, but, you know, how does the team move forward from that, knowing that, um, you know, this is some of the best competition you'll face this whole year? Yeah, I mean, I think the tournament we just came back from was probably one of the best tournaments in the country mm-hmm. um, for this last weekend. So I just think even though we didn't get the result we wanted, just taking that experience, as the most important thing, because like you said, it's probably one of the best competition we're going to have uh, until we go to the NCAA championships. Um, but just taking that experience, like I said, learning from it and just applying it this weekend, I think is the most important thing. We're talking with Tiffany Westerberg of the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team. Outrigger Volleyball Challenge gets going tomorrow. So the home opener for your Rainbow Wahine against Texas State tomorrow. And then it'll be West Virginia on Friday. And then UCLA, that old school rivalry uh, that will be once again rehashed on Sunday. Uh, you talked about the learning experience. What do you think this team did learn from that opening weekend? What do you think this team had to learn and can and will continue to have to learn here going forward uh personally i think you know uh for anyone watching anyone listening this past weekend we had great moments you know we definitely have are capable of beating any of those teams it's just a part of meshing everything together meshing the block touches with the perfect pass the serving you know what i mean it's just mm-hmm. i think assignments learning your assignments picking up on your hitters that's what we have to learn and that's something that we're definitely working on at practice right now is just 
adapting to the plays, adapting to the hitters quickly and not three or four sets in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so interesting that's, because, you know, uh, sorry to interrupt, but, uh, you know, you as as well as several other players that I've spoken with and, and even uh, head coach Robin Almo uh, earlier today when I spoke with her, there doesn't seem to be this feeling of, like, panic. I think there's still this very quiet confidence that this team feels like they have the pieces to be legit. It's just a matter of, of as you're alluding to, kind of putting it all together on a consistent basis. Yeah, just stringing those plays together, making it more consistent. That's that's how we're going to win this year, just stringing everything together. Because we have the components, we have the pieces. It's just, can we just make it unison? Can we make it into one whole game? Or can we go, right now it's a couple points up, and then we go down, up and down. We need to just smooth it out. Well, uh, yeah. in this opener at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center tomorrow versus Texas State, for the first time in a while, you will be playing in front of a restriction-free crowd at the arena. Uh, obviously, last year uh, you were in front of nobody until they decided to open it up to a max of, I believe, 500 fans who were allowed in that finally got relaxed come around the men's volleyball season. Uh, but it's been a minute since you guys have been able to really welcome the fans full force. What's that going to feel like for you tomorrow? gonna feel so amazing i'm so excited the girls are so excited just having that uh hawaii energy in the gym it's gonna be amazing i can't wait how much do you think that's gonna help you guys i mean the fact that you hadn't had that uh first off didn't even have the season in 2020 didn't have that full capacity type of potential crowd behind you uh how how much do you uh, predict or, or do you expect to kind of feed off of that tomorrow Oh, the fans' energy, the full, when we have the full crowd there, the fans' energy it really helps us. Um, we, we appreciate the fans, everyone that comes, and they just give us so much more um, support than, like you said, last year. So we're really excited to have everyone back and just have all their, see all their faces and the signs and everything that they make for us. We really appreciate it. You know, something else that was a bit of a new look, uh, you guys got the new unis, and you were rocking the sleeves to go along with the tank top jerseys. Uh, how yes. did you like that as a player? Oh, I love it. It's great. And actually, in club, I had jerseys similar to those my last year. So I, I love it. I feel like a little more free because uh, there's no sleeves. <laughs> uh, but they look great. I think we're rocking them good. Um, and, yeah, you'll see, us, you'll see us in them this weekend. Uh, if you guys are able to uh, turn it around this weekend against three very tough teams in Texas State, West Virginia, and UCLA, uh, what will have to be done for you guys to have that kind of good showing? Uh, like I said, just stringing together the plays, staying consistent, uh, getting out of ruts quickly, adapting. That, that's basically it. We have, we have the firepower. We have the setting, the passing, the blocking. It's just can we do it every single time? Well, that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna do this weekend, though. <laughs> well, again, one of the encouraging aspects of this past weekend, despite the zero and three start, uh, was the individual performance you put on. So, congrats uh, to you for that, and continued success here going into another tough tourney this weekend. Yes, thank you so much. We're excited. We're ready. All right, thank you, Tiffany Westerberg, you. middle blocker for the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team. Good talking with her, and yeah, she's had to adapt. She talks about adapting. She's had to adapt, and to her credit, talking with Robin Almo, she said, "Hey, look, you know, Tiffany and I, we've had a lot of conversations, and not all of them have gone smoothly because you know she wanted to contribute in a certain way and play a certain position, but we had needs based on players that were expected to be there that weren't there, injuries, you name it, and so she's had to be very adaptive to whatever." the season necessity was whatever was called upon uh, from her uh, 
from season to season. And this year, once again, it's moving back to the middle. But to her credit, Robin Amos says, you know, she has absolutely accepted that role, whatever is best for the team. And she certainly played uh, that way uh, this past weekend. So uh, kudos to her. Uh, and it would be nice to see the Rainbow Wahine have a more successful weekend here and yet another very tough tournament. Yeah, for sure. And I think it just speaks to, you know, the culture that Coach Amoa has built um, where, you know, the team always does um, seem to find a way to figure things out. I mean, even if they don't have the start to the season they want, um, you know, of course, they have the string of, you know, so many NCAA tournament appearances. I mean, I think in particular for Robin, she just finds a way to get the most out of this group, especially last year when the Big West was one of two conferences to to not have a postseason in 2020. And they somehow find a way to make it to the second round. Um, I just think um, that speaks volumes about um, the program right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. All right, so uh, we have a couple of tickets to give away for UH football. We also have four tickets to give away for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. That is for tomorrow night's game. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to do the football giveaway right now. Uh, so Josh Pacheco is working the board. He's going to be manning the phone lines. The number is 808-296-1420. And we're going to do so via a trivia question. That's sort of what we've been doing here when we've been doing these ticket giveaways the last couple of weeks. So again, these are this is a question for two tickets to the winner uh, you got to call in again 808-296-1420 two tickets to the hawaii western kentucky football game on saturday at clarence tc ching athletic complex and here's the question all right they're playing western kentucky all right their nickname's the hilltoppers but what's the name of the western kentucky mascot and here's a hint it happens to share a name with a brand of chewing gum yeah, you actually went with that one. I did. I did go with that right. one. Yeah, I did go with that one. I tested it out with you, and uh, I got to be honest, you uh, you struggled a little bit with it. You yeah. and Josh. Yeah, if it were me on the line, we'd be here for <laughs> the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> 808-296-1420. the name of the Western Kentucky mascot? It happens to share the same name as a brand of chewing gum. All right? So 808-296-1420 is the number. We have uh, Josh Pacheco uh, with the phone to the ear. We don't have uh, somebody that's ready or willing to answer that question just yet. Again, 808-296-1420. Okay, we do have somebody now on the line looking to answer. We have Jaron. Jaron, do you have an answer to the question? Uh, can you repeat the question one more time? Okay, all right. I see what you're doing, Jaron. Here we go. The, <laughs> what's the name of the Western Kentucky mascot? And here's the clue. Uh, it happens to be the same name as a brand of chewing gum. Uh, is it the Hilltopper? It is not the Hilltopper. I've never tried that kind of gum, but uh, it's not Hilltopper. Thanks for calling in, Jaron. 808-296-1420 is the number. Don't get too thrown off here. you got to try to vi envision the Western Kentucky mascot, all right? If, if anybody, it's, it's a, a fairly recognizable mascot. Been around uh, for a bit. We have Russell on the line. Russell, do you have an answer? How about Big Red? Yes. Boom, Big Red. There it is. That's right. You got it, Russell. Did you know that, or was that like a little, uh, you know, Google action? Your hint, your hint, your hint gave it away. Oh, okay. That was all right. Okay. Great I'm, I'm job, glad Russell. About that. Yeah. Wait, what did you come in when I tested it out on you? It was like you or Josh, you guys said like Wrigley. Yeah, or... it was like Juicy Fruit. <laughs> juicy or... Fruit. That's right. Big yeah. Leaf Chew. I know. It was actually <laughs> supposed to help not throw you off, but uh, but it wasn't uh, enough to fool Russell. That's for sure. Congrats, stuff, man. Russell. Enjoy the game this weekend, Russell. 
Uh, and stay on the line, if you will, so that Josh Pacheco can get uh, all your information and we can uh, get you those tickets so you can enjoy Hawaii versus Western Kentucky. I'm not sure if Big Red made the trip, though. That's uh, that's something that I guess we'll find out on Saturday. But uh, if Big Red is there, uh, Christian, I expect you fully to just walk up to him and be like, hey, Big Red, yeah, love, love your chewing gum. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, that's who, that's who it is. All right. <laughs> All right, here's a reminder. Listen to the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Ask our weekly fantasy experts for advice on your team and win NFL memorabilia Wednesdays at 8 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu. Congrats to Russell. When we come back, uh, we'll have... Four tickets to give away to Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. That's going to be for tomorrow night's match against Texas State. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back. Let's talk sports. I'm Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Christian Shimabuku, the digital sports writer for KHON2, is also in the house. We have Josh Pacheco working the board. We're going to go to the phone lines again because as we were talking with Tiffany Westerberg in the last segment about the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team is opening its home schedule tomorrow, uh, part of the uh, three or four team, I should say, Outrigger Volleyball Challenge. Three matches for Hawaii coming up tomorrow. It's Texas State and then West Virginia on Friday, UCLA on Sunday. But tomorrow coincides with the kickoff for Wahine on the Rise Day of Giving. This significant day marks the home opener for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball, which, of course, is the first and most storied women's program in this University of Hawaii Athletics Department. And to talk more about Wahine on the Rise Day of Giving, we welcome Associate Athletics Director Lois Mannon to the show via the phone line. Lois, how how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How how are you? How are you doing, guys? We're doing all right. It's good. Uh, it's good talking with you. And obviously, this is a year where we are celebrating uh, Rainbow Wahine sports and some of the fine and wonderful and legendary athletes that have come through the University of Hawaii. Give us a, a, an idea of what Wahine on the Rise and what this Day of Giving is all about. So sure, I could, you know. This, this whole thing started with a lunch with a friend of mine, and her name is Nancy Wool, and she has put together and created this committee of, of notable women that have just come together to collaborate into not just a fundraising dinner celebration that we're having on, on October uh, 14th to celebrate Title IX and, and Rainbow Wahine Athletics, but it's kind of evolved into several different events. One is the Day of Giving, which starts tomorrow. And as you mentioned, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's September 1st. It's the, the home opener of Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. And we're going we're gonna to plan to do this every year, but that's, 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 the, that's the plan anyway. And then to, for Title IX, we, we've also got other things like a field day, and then we've got another mentoring thing that we're calling the journey, and then we're going to wrap it up with the celebration on October 14th. Yeah, so this is basically celebrating 50 years of Rainbow Wahine Athletics. Uh, you talk about how that coincides with the anniversary of uh, Title IX. So for people that are planning on coming down uh, to the match tomorrow, uh, how can they give? Uh, what, what, what can they do uh, sort of in the spirit of Rainbow Wahine Athletics to be a part of this? So you can, you can, <laughs> you can do whatever you want tomorrow. If you're at the game, we're going to have things up on the Jumbotron. It's going to be like a QR code, and you can scan the QR code and give right there from your phone as you sit in your seat. 
Uh, we also are pointing people to the website at the foundation. Um, it's hui.uhfoundation.org slash jiwahine. So on that website at, at the foundation, there are all 12 different women's sports on there. And, and you click on a tile and you can, um, you can donate a dollar if you want, all the way up to whatever you, you want to give. And the cool thing about it is that each sport is having like a little friendly competition. Hmm. So if, you, if your sport raises $2,500, the Wolf Foundation has agreed to match that $2,500 for every single sport. So that's super generous of them. It's kind of gives the student athletes and the programs a little bit of skin in the game hmm. so that we can kind of maximize this and, and help raise awareness and, and also raise funds for, for our Rainbow Wahine Athletics Program. So Day of Giving tomorrow coinciding with the home opener for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. You mentioned the Wahine on the Rise Field Day, which will be September 10th from 4 to 6 at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. Uh, this thing is going to be done up. Like This, this, this sounds like it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All of our sports will be out there and represented on the women's side. Um, they're going to plan interactive activities with the kids. Obviously, it's focused on family and keiki. So they're going, to, they're going to plan a little bit of activities. It's four to six for a reason because we want to um, kind of capture that audience and then give them free tickets to go straight into the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff to watch Wahine Volleyball against USC that same night. So we're going to have a DJ out there blasting music. Chris mm. Hart is going to be out there um, roaming around, uh, talking to people over the loudspeaker. There's going to be food and beverage options and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, hopefully we can um, communicate and we'll actually connect with the community and 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 gain some support well, uh, it, that way. It is a wonderful legacy, certainly, Rainbow Wahine Athletics. I know you've been a part of the University of Hawaii for so many <laughs> years. I know this is something you're very passionate about. So, uh, Lois, we appreciate you giving us uh, the time and, and, and uh, great success, hopefully, in, in being able to raise funds uh, for Rainbow Wahine Sports through uh, the day of giving tomorrow and the field day on September 10th. No, that's so awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, take care. Lois Mann, Associate Athletics Director with the University of Hawaii. Yeah, sounds like a, a really good cause, obviously. Uh, we are celebrating the anniversary of Rainbow Wahine Sports in general as it coincides with Title IX, and obviously that has ties, that legislation, to Hawaii with the fact that Patsy Mink was an author on it. And so it just uh, it, it seems to fit. It's very poetic, and uh, we hope that uh, those who go down to the match tomorrow find it in their hearts uh, to donate to uh, hopefully what can be a continual legacy of great Rainbow Wahine athletes to come through the University of Hawaii. And if you don't already have tickets to go to that match tomorrow, guess what? We're going to provide you with not one, not two, not three, but four tickets, a package of four tickets to Hawaii and Texas State. And how are we going to do this, Christian, you ask? We're going to do it with a trivia question. Of course, that's our style around here. We had the Western Kentucky mascot name for the football tickets for this one because it is volleyball. This is the question. We're going to ask people to call in again. 808-296-1420 is the number. Josh Pacheco will be manning the phone lines. This is for four tickets to Rainbow Wahine Volleyball tomorrow, okay, against Texas State. Texas State, a really good team. They're in the others receiving votes category in the national rankings. Uh, but on Friday, Hawaii is actually going to play West 
West Virginia. And so we're going to uh, bring up uh, the uh, topic of West Virginia head coach Reed Sunahara, who was an absolute legend in his time. I'm not sure if uh, you know everybody out there is familiar, but this is a guy who is from the islands. He was a two-time All-American and three-time national champion volleyball player at UCLA. He played with Karch Karai, uh, but he is a Hawaii product. And so here is the very simple question. 808-296-1420 is the number. What high school did West Virginia head coach Reed Sunahara attend? Again, 808-296-1420 is the number. What high school did West Virginia head coach Reed Sunahara attend? Uh, I did test this question on uh, Christian Chimabuku, and Christian, you answered inaccurately on Mm -hmm. your first answer, but you got it on number two. Yeah, I hope I didn't insult Josh. Um, and I hope I don't give it away. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Josh is answering a, a phone call here. He's going to try to get somebody on to answer this question. Again, what high school did West Virginia women's volleyball head coach Reed Sunahara, who is from Hawaii, an absolute legend mm-hmm. of the game of, of volleyball, certainly uh, as it pertains to products of the islands what high school did he attend reed sunahara we have daniel on the line daniel you know this right what's up hilo high school boom nice. come on it's as easy as that yes one of the most decorated athletes to ever come out of hilo high and this is a guy who was a hooper and a baseball player in high school and then he parlayed that into becoming uh, just an absolute all-american stud uh, for ucla back in the day won three national championships daniel you knew that right off the top of your head Yes, UCLA, 1986 graduate. I knew. Oh, that was wheelhouse stuff right there. Well, congratulations. You got the four tickets. You're going to the uh, home opener tomorrow. Enjoy. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Daniel got it. Your first guess, do we say it was Waikia? Which is like, I mean... If you say Waikea mm. and it's Hilo, uh, them's fighting words. There's like there's like potential fisticuffs that come out of, of that mistake, right? Yeah, sorry, Josh. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend you. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Josh, our resident uh, Hilo expert for sure. Yeah. Uh, he knew it right off the bat, as he should. All right, well, uh, we have obviously the football game coming up on Saturday, Hawaii versus Western Kentucky. Uh, if you feel so inclined, get on down to the Big Green Rally. You can join us Saturday, 1.30 p.m., uh, to 10 p.m. Is this what I'm supposed to read here, Josh? Did I did I read the wrong thing? Was there a was there a big green rally drop uh, that was uh, posted that I was supposed to read? All right, forget it. Forget that I'm doing this. Just absolutely. Is this good radio now? Because I have like Josh who was just answering the phone, just waving like, no, cut, cut. All right, we're not doing that. Okay, all right. Let's just take a break. Best and worst if we come back. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. All right, welcome back. I want to invite everyone down to the Big Red Rally. Uh, this is the pregame rally for Western <laughs> Kentucky, and they're going to have their mascot, Big Red, happens to share a name with a uh, brand of chewing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was a, an awkward way to go into that last break, but uh, thanks for correcting me there, Josh. We don't want to get the wrong information out there on the radio airwaves. Kanoa here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. We have Christian Shibabuku, who is also up here. He's the digital sports writer for KHON2 Sports. But this is the fourth quarter for us, right? Last segment, crunch time. So that's when we like to give out our best and worst for the day. Uh, what's your best that you're coming in here with, Christian? Um, yeah, my best is um, week one of college football starting, and you get the full slate of games, whereas last week it was week zero. Um, there's some real marquee matchups this week. You have Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, Georgia, Oregon. 
Um, even Utah paying a visit to the swamp um, at Florida. So there's some good matchups all around. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really cool. Uh, it was interesting, right? It was a fairly lean schedule in mm-hmm. week zero, right, as it tends to be. But you have more of the brand name programs that are taking the field here uh, this week. Uh, there were also a few Mountain West teams that I think had some pretty good showings, uh, including, of all teams, UNLV, actually a, a really strong showing uh, with Doug Brumfeld, their uh, their quarterback, uh, who is now back and healthy and put up some incredible mm-hmm. numbers. And so hey, maybe UNLV is a little bit uh, more on the come up. Of course, Hawaii wasn't one of the Mountain West teams to, to get a dub. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens here in week one of the college football mm-hmm. season. That's a good one. All right, my best is uh, this is a post that was put up by Dan Clark of Dan Clark Sports on Twitter. This is just kind of interesting. So he uh, uses these two dates and compares them. August 29th, 2001, Serena Williams wins at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. And Vlad Guerrero Sr., Craig Biggio, and Dante Bichette all record a hit. And then he has the next date. Fast forward. August 29th, 2022. 21 years later, Serena Williams wins at U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, and Bo Bichette all record a hit. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. And especially for um, the players that are still active, um, Albert Pujols and Serena Williams, just to see them sustain that greatness, it's been awesome. Yeah, like Albert Pujols, I mean, we were seeing him in the home run (laughs) derby. He was there basically because people were just like, go, Albert, do your thing. And he like barely had the power to get it out. And now all of a sudden he's turning into like his best form again. (laughs) This is ridiculous. This guy is somehow uh, figuring it out. That's that's pretty cool to see. All right. What is your worst? Let's get to the bad stuff. Um, So this is a pretty uh, bittersweet premise. But for the second straight week. Um, the marquee high school football matchup locally in Hawaii overlaps with the UH football game. <laughs> this week, you have Kahuku and Punahou, both unbeaten, 3-0. They face off at 6.30 on Saturday, and that's 30 minutes after Hawaii-Western Kentucky kicks off. Last week, you had Campbell-Mililani, um, a classic game, right? Uh, Mililani wins 35-34, to but that also interfered with the UH football game. So um, I just wish the powers that be would, you know, kind of space those kinds of things out and, you know, let everyone enjoy those two things separately instead of, you know... Um, where Billy and I were watching the the Camel Milani <laughs> game during the third quarter of the UH football game. Hopefully it doesn't uh, turn into one of those. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. You'd like that to, to perhaps have been planned a little bit better. Because, yeah, that Campbell Milani game was outstanding. And you'd imagine that Kahuku Puno is going to be pretty darn entertaining as well. Uh, my worst, and we're kind of venturing a little bit out of sports, but you actually... Uh, uh, put this in front of me and, and uh, you know, uh, brought it to my attention. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, right, who is now, uh, what is he, 47 years old. Uh, he just broke up with his girlfriend, Camilla Maroney, who uh, is just turning 25 or just turned 25. Uh, and so according to People Magazine and E! News, Maroney is now the fourth woman to stop dating DiCaprio after her 25th birthday as the Oscar winner's age. Well, I mean, that continues to rise, right? Like the water on the titanic all right so (laughs) dicaprio has never publicly dated anyone older than a quarter century which is just kind of a little uji right i mean the guy's almost fitty and uh and it's just a little uji like rainbow wahine athletics is twice as old as the preferred age or the max age for leonardo dicaprio that's messed up man yeah um if you can rent a car you can't date leonardo (laughs) dicaprio That's exactly right. Oh, the zinger to end the show on that note. Christian Shimabuku, thanks for coming in, man. Appreciate it. Catch his work on KHON2.com. Also, Tiffany Westerberg, thanks for calling in. Lois Manning, Josh Pacheco working the board. I'm Kano Alehi. See you tomorrow, everybody. Let's talk sports.